0: Hey, hey, welcome uh, one and all. Uh, This is Rabbit Hole Research. I'm your host, Kevin Maurer. And uh, this is the first episode. And I'd like to set the stage for uh, future podcasts. And uh, in so doing, I want to share some of my research techniques and give you uh, explanations for why the hell I'm doing all of this. So uh, what is the objective here? Well, the point of this podcast i want to share historic research to a wider audience to an audience who enjoys a more audio type of stimulation or rather people who like to uh, to listen to others drone on and on about this and that i hear there's a lot of you out there so uh in our case we'll be talking mainly about the historic european martial arts and all of the peripheral and surrounding histories that seem to help us today as practitioners of a martial art um Realizing, of course, that these peripheral histories can't teach us how to throw a better torn how or more accurate cuts and thrusts. But instead, learning more about the original fencers and masters of the arts um, that we're attempting to reconstruct today. Of course, there will be significant portions of uh, technical advice shared eventually. This, uh, this first inaugural episode is going to be a short one. I'm just trying to tell you what I'm all about here. Um, if you're anything like me, though, I I do enjoy hearing anything and everything that relates to the historic European martial arts. So a little bit about me. I've been studying and practicing HEMA for close to 18 years now. And uh, early on, I was exposed to the idea that we should approach our reconstruction efforts with a book in one hand and a sword in the other. So that's how I've been doing this for many years. And uh, what I'll share with you is a culmination of these 18 years and many of the facts and a lot of the data I've gathered through my research. I'd like to share that here. Uh, we'll be covering topics like the Fechtschulen, these uh, German uh, fencing events, competitive fencing events of the 16th and 17th century, the Fechtschulen, The fencing guilds, methods of instruction by original fencers, the making of sword masters, um, the whole book printing industry in the 16th century that gives us these original fencing books we learn from today and uh, all of these topics and many many more will be uh, will be shared here so why is it called rabbit hole research a strange name not really i found online a, an interesting definition of that from whatis.com i'd like to read that for you all it's interesting a rabbit hole in a metaphorical sense is a long and winding exploratory path with many connections and offshoots. The term rabbit hole is often used to describe online activities. Yes, <laughs> online activities. I do a lot of that. I do a lot of research online, so I believe the internet or the web is actually designed to be a rabbit hole. It's one giant rabbit hole if you're not careful, but it's offer- it offers many avenues of exploration at the click of a button. You know, I found myself searching for a particular fact or piece of data only to become so sidetracked um, and having discovered many other facets of interesting data. If I'm researching uh, the life and biographical data of Joachim Meyer, a uh, 16th century fencing master, in doing so I come across tons of other information on the outside of, of, of his life and yet still could be relevant I save that data off Um, and sometimes you reach a dead end you dig down deep in the hole and and you hit a dead end you don't find what you're looking for but you still find things you don't find what you're looking for but you find what you're not looking for and in that stuff that you're not looking for is oftentimes what I like to call gems or gold tidbits of information that you can use eventually Almost like a puzzle. It's it's almost like a researching historical martial arts and the peripheral histories. It it becomes like a puzzle. You're gathering pieces. So uh, I don't know. That's pretty cool. You're uh, you've got a theory. Uh, you're trying to suss that out. You're trying to gather data. You're trying to answer a particular question. Sometimes you don't find that answer you want, but you find a lot of other stuff. Extemporaneous. Coincidental stuff. Hmm? Here's a story from the early years where I was uh, researching primarily Joachim Meyer's name. Google Books. I found so many mentions of a Joachim Meyer from the 16th century, but they were not the they were not the the Meyer I was looking for. Uh, still, I made a folder on my Google Google Books library. I titled that folder not Joachim Meyer, and I continued to. Put links in there, cataloging uh, in that category of information, not Joachim Meyer. Just so, in the future, um, somebody says, "Hey, I find something interesting here and there," I can say, "No, I, I don't think that's him." Because look, here he lived till the 1590s, and we know Meyer died in the 1571. So, uh, another another great example of this early on. I had found mention of a Rittmeister Joachim Meyer. Rittmeister, German uh, German word for uh, ride master, riding master, a cavalry commander of a Landsknecht mercenary outfit. His name was Joachim Meyer. And there were tons and tons of data from actual archival letters written by this Meyer to the king of S- Sweden. These back and forth correspondence and I was reading this, transcribing and translating this and I was thrilled. Thrilled, I thought, Oh my God, I found so much biographical data about Meyer, actual military exploits and facts about him, and it was just amazing. And I just kept digging and gathering and cataloging. I thought, Oh yeah, this is the motherload of Joachim Meyer data. And I shared this with a few people in my fencing guild and uh, a few fellas around the world. And then uh, lo and behold, some research was shared with me that totally contradicted the possibility that this Rittmeister Jochen Meyer was the same Jochen Meyer from Strasbourg, Freifechter, and the fencing master who I study. Totally conflicting dates of actual geographic locations where this man was in two places at one time he simply couldn't have been. So, um, yeah, that was a huge blow to my research. But uh, undaunted, I just uh, continued on. I chalked that up to experience. You know, ultimately, I look back on that experience and say, wow, I've got a lot of data as deep as I dug on that, on that topic. I've got a lot of data on the king of Sweden and the, and the various wars that many German mercenaries were uh, employed in in the 1560s, mid to uh, early to mid-1560s. Some very interesting stuff there. Unfortunately, it wasn't, our, it wasn't our guy. So, avoiding rabbit holes in researching. Um, there are many articles online that that uh, that try to teach folks how to how to how to avoid dead ending while doing research. I, I say no to that. I say, I just say no to that premise, and I'll tell you why. Uh, no matter which way you go in researching, you should be gathering data and cataloging that data. It's all pertinent. It all it, it can all be relevant, just not to the particular thing you're searching. Don't overlook uh, the the gold that's in the that's in the walls of the hole you're digging. You're looking for a, a pot of gold at the bottom of the hole, but there's there's gold and gems in the walls. There's small veins that you've got to mine that. You've got to know how to digitally uh, catalog that, categorize it, so that you can access it later on. You need to re-access this information. So There's, uh, there's many, many ways to do that digitally. There's a lot of clever uh, articles online in reference to that. I suggest you find your find your best way there. I know what I do, um, and I always need to improve my cataloging efforts. But uh, So if, with my researching habits, I'm, I'm constantly trying to find more information out about uh, a few various key topics that I'm interested in, one of them being the life and teachings of Joachim Meyer. Um, and I'll search online, uh, specifically Google Books, Uh, there are several archives I'll use library archives there's a lot of things constantly being added to the internet being updated and that's awesome Um, and these peripheral histories that are often found uh, those are those are fascinating to me as well and in the beginning they didn't mean much but you know as you amass more and more of that information you'll find that there's relatively interesting uh, uh, stories and offshoots and all of that teaches us more about the era uh, that our target uh, may have lived in, you know, who, uh, who Meyer was, his his religious uh, affiliations, his marriage, his trades guild, uh, his teaching of the fencing arts, uh, just anything and everything we can find, the coinage that was spent, all of that stuff becomes interesting and, and fascinating. And sure, it's not teaching us how to throw a, a better Zornhau, or or understanding the krumphau, or these different uh, techniques in in German longsword. But again, it puts you in that mind frame that oftentimes helps you to understand the physical. I don't know. It just it's a weird thing. Sometimes it it works. Um, so in these podcasts here in the future, I'm going to be talking about these these uh, peripheral histories and these incidentals and other outlying bits of data that I've found and and accumulated over the years. And there's some interesting factoids in there that that I'll be sharing. And, uh, of course, having translated a lot of Meyer's works, I've got, um, I think I have a lot of insight into uh, some of his, uh, some of the way he taught his pedagogy. Um, Clearly, some of the words he used in German Those words that he's repeated from manuscript to manuscript to the book. Uh, I'm sure many of you out there in uh, Himaland know that the 1561 Joachim Meyer manuscript that was lost for many, many years uh, was recently rediscovered by a French researcher and practitioner named Olivier Dupuis, and we can't thank him enough for sharing that with us all. Um, I've had access to that and transcribed and translated great portions of it as I did the Lund, the 15, what I say the 1560 um, a Meyer's handwritten manuscript there in Lund Dr. Forgan is sort of dated that at 1568 I won't get into that but we'll just call it the Lund whatever date it is. Um, I think almost certainly though this 1561 that's dedicated to Hans Georg von Feldens uh, a prince in uh, in Bavaria. I believe this is probably one of Meyer's first works, and it's fascinating. The more I read and translate, uh, the transcription's done. Right now it is the 21st of June, and I've got that uh, 2021, and I've got that thing completely transcribed and in the process of translating it. I'm taking my sweet time with it. It's uh, it's an interesting work. So I'll be sharing readings of that here in the not too distant future and in other coming episodes, I'd like to uh share other research I've done into the fe interesting facts about that um, things we can things we can incorporate into our training today uh, make us better fencers yeah, I think uh. I think we've got some good things planned here, and I hope y'all gonna tune back in. I'm probably gonna cut it short here, right now. I uh, hope you find this interesting. Um, if you do, let me know. If you don't, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, all right, so let's wrap this up. And I certainly appreciate your your time and attention. And I guess we'll see you uh, we'll see you again soon. I'll catch you later. Thanks.